1 Corinthians chapter number 3, if you've got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, and, uh, oh, Mo, could you pick, uh, put uh, that one on uh, the computer there? No, the, um, the PowerPoint, it should already be on the right slide, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, we want to continue our series on the work of God. We had been talking about the first few weeks in the first half of this school year on the Word of God. We've been talking the last couple the work of God, and we've studied Ephesians chapter number two on the work of God. We talked a little bit about you cannot work for God until you're part of the family of God, and uh, we talked about how in Ephesians chapter two, if you remember, that it's by grace that we receive the gift, and that gift is salvation, and how important it is to realize that salvation is not earned. It's something that is given, not only after you receive salvation through Jesus Christ alone, but then after you receive salvation, you become not only part of the family of God, but now you're able to do the work of God. So we talked a little bit about that already, and the last uh, two weeks ago we started this lesson on uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse number 9 to verse number 15. So we're going to read that very quickly here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 9, all the way to verse four, uh, 15. It says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward." If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Paul here is talking to those that are Christians. He was talking to the church of Corinth, and he's explaining to them of how to do the work of God. Proves about uh, working for God and doing the work of God. In verse number 9, and we, we started this thought, in verse number 9 we find the description of God's worker. We said that it is a field or a farm. Paul said, first, we're laborers with God. And I want to give you a really quick thought on that. The Bible says that we work with God. We don't work alone. Anything that you do in your own strength, in your own mind, by your own will, is something that will not stand. It is something that will not uh, give and bear any fruit of any lasting value. So listen when I say, Paul says, we're laborers together with Christ. You cannot work without Christ helping you, strengthening you, filling you with his spirit. It's important that Paul wanted them to know that, and it's important for you and me to know that. We don't do God's work on our own. That's why it's important to ask God, God, will you help me today by your spirit to be able to do the work that you've called me to do? I want to your friends, share with them what you're learning, the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You need to ask God, God, help me. Give me words to share with my friend. Give me what to say. Help me to know to answer their question. Why? Because we're laborers with Christ. But then he says there in verse number nine that ye are God's husbandry. Now, that means that word husbandry is, is a word that they would use for farming, for a farm, okay? And Paul says, I want you to remember that you're God's farm. Now, I want to give you just three really quick thoughts about that and farming. If you know anything about farming, and I don't know a whole lot, I'm not a, an expert farmer by any, by any means, but I do know some things that I've learned about farming. Uh, there are th- uh, three, uh, uh, three unchanging truths, if you will, three constant principles about farming. And the first thing is, if you're going to be any kind of a farmer, you have to have patience. There's no farmer that plants seeds on Monday and reaps the harvest on Friday. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't happen in just four days. If any of you have ever tried to plant anything at your house, whether it be flowers, whether it be uh, any kind of uh, fruit tree or anything, you know, you put the seeds there, but you're going to get fruit from it by the next, very next week. It takes time. Uh, in, my, in the back of a uh, pastor's house, in, in the back of my parents' house, when we first moved in, we moved in uh, the year 1993, and I can still remember when, uh, when my grandfather was there and, and even with my dad, I remember we were, we were starting to dig these, these holes to plant these seeds of trees. And there was grapefruits. Uh, we had some and uh, various just different kinds of citrus fruits uh, there in the back. And I just remember, you know, putting those seeds in there. I remember one of my responsibilities when I was in middle school and high school was I had to go and water the trees. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. The trees were, you know, the, the bushes were like maybe this high. It had a huge, like three-foot circle of, 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 a, of a, like a little pool where you were going to put the water, you know, you had to fill it up. I remember it took like an hour to do, to, to make sure you get all, you know, 15 trays full of water. And, and I remember I hated that chore. I really did. Sometimes I would leave them, uh, the, the hose there and I'd go back to, to watch, you know, the game that I was watching and then I'd forget and then I'd come back outside and everything would be flooded. Uh, and that would just happen. I just remember thinking, this is, oh, I just hated it. I felt like I'm doing all this work and, and nothing's coming of it. Well, if you go behind my parents' house today, you'll find these trees and they got so much fruit. I mean, they've got, they, we get baskets, get baskets of grapefruit. Sometimes we'll give it to people here at the church. Uh, my dad's always giving me stuff and I'm like, okay, I can only eat so many. But he's always giving more oranges, grape juice, uh, grapefruit and lemons and limes and all the stuff that he's got planted back there. It took time, though, since 1993 to right now, 2019, that's 26 years. And it's, it's giving a lot now. Uh, in the last, you know, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years, it's been giving fruit. But it took quite a bit of time for that to happen. Now, anytime you're planting and doing something for God, you're going to have to have patience. Now, Paul reminds them, we're, we're that that farm that God's been working on. God's had patience with us. He's had patience with your mistakes, with your dumb decisions that we can do sometimes. God's been patient to help and give you time to grow. Why? Because we're that farm that God's working on. Another thing I've learned about farming is that not only you have patience, but you have to have care. Uh, 
we started planting uh, little um, bushes at our, uh, at our house, and really Rochelle does more of that than I do. I sort of just go back and see how things are coming along, but I really don't help too much. But it's so funny from what we've been learning, at least what she's been sharing with me about what she's been learning, but it's so interesting. You know, you can give too much water to a plant and kill the plant, or you can give not enough water and it'll dry up and die. It's unbelievable how, how much care you have to give to these plants so that they can blossom and look beautiful. It's not just throwing that, you know, the seeds of the, of, the, of the flower there or planting the flower and saying, okay, I'll come back in a week and I hope there's, you know, some flowers. No, you've you got to take care of it. You've got to make sure that the weeds are not growing around it and you've got to make sure it's all clean. You've got to be real careful with ants, especially down here. There's what we call leaf-eating ants and they, man, they'll, they'll clear out your bushes like that. You've got to be always observing, getting the ant poison, putting it there. Why? Because if you want to have flowers that are beautifully, you've got to take care of it. Uh, anything that you're doing farm-wide, have patience, you got to have care, but let me tell you something. You also have to have uh, a, a certain kind of trust that it's going to bear fruit. I like to call it in the spiritual world, we call it faith. you got to trust that all the work that you're putting in is going to pay off at the end. That there's something that's going to come out. That these trees are going to look, these flowers are going to look beautiful. That, that the trees that you're planting are going to give you fruit. Every farmer has to trust that. That's why they'll, in the spring, be planting the seed, and in the fall, they'll be reaping the harvest. They don't know how much they're going to get. They don't know how, many, how much fruit the trees that they're taking care of are going to bear. They don't know how much they're going to get from that, but they've got to trust that the tree's going to give them something in the fall. That's why they're taking care of it. Now, let me just say, Paul says, we're God's farm. God's been patient with us. God's been careful with us. God's been trusting us with some uh, great responsibilities that we're going to also bear fruit for him. And I love it because the picture is not only are we God's farm, this is what God is doing with us, right? He's being patient. He's being careful. He's, he's being trusting that the, we're going to produce fruit. But then not only are we like a field for God, but we're also the farm. God. That's where working for God comes in. God is working on us so that we can work with others. God's not going to bring a victory of your classmates at school tomorrow in a dream. But God has placed you in that classroom so that you can be his mouthpiece. You can be the one to do that work. He's given you and me that responsibility. And you say, well, what is that? How is that important? Because listen, if you're going to do that, if you're going to do God's work, you're going to have to have patience with people you're going to have to have care for people you're going to have to trust that god's going to do the work that though what you say may go in one ear and out the other the very first time and though they might make fun of you and maybe they laugh a little at you or maybe they ignore you i don't know but you just got to trust if i just keep giving god's word the bible says it's not going to return void it's going to help somebody some point, at some point in time. I can't tell you how many uh, people we have in our church as members uh, that you can even meet on a Sunday, and, and, and most of you probably shake their hands without knowing their testimony, but many of them are here in our church and became members just because some coworker said something. And they'll say, at first I was ignoring them, I used to laugh at them, I used to think they're crazy. 
until something came into my life. And I remembered what they said to me. And suddenly that little seed of the word of God that was planted. Then Paul says, not only are you the husbandry, but then he says that you're the building. God is building in us. Let me give you some principles about building really quick. He says that we're a a structure or a building. We're God's structure and building. Let me tell you something about building. Number one, anytime you build something, it has a purpose to it. When we built this building, okay, in 1994 as a church, when we would come and and start putting the blocks the way we did and, and started getting all of this done, we had a purpose for it. We weren't building it and then going, hey, what are we going to do with this, by the way? Anybody know what, what, what's going on? No, from the very beginning, we had plans, and then they measured and put the foundation, and then we started putting the walls up, they put the ceiling up, and we had a purpose for this building. You know, God has a purpose for your life. He's building something. You're his building. That means you have a purpose. But something else about architecture and about making buildings is that a, a good building is something that's going to stand firm. When we were getting the plans for our new building, and, and I'm sure y'all have seen it, it's starting to go up, but when we were going through different quotes for the, for the buildings, every uh, contractor and every builder that was meeting with us, they were giving us the specs, the, the specifications of every building, and it's, and it's interesting. You can't just put and make any building any way you want. There's what is known as building codes, and these codes are to help make sure that the building is secure. Well, for instance, the building that we are building up there, the materials we're using, they can withstand winds up to 130 miles an hour. And that's something that every builder that we talked to was talking about. They said, hey, the, the, the material that we use, the, the, uh, the laminate that we're going to be using and the steel beams that we're going to be using and the way that we're going to tie them into the foundation and the way that we're going to weld them together, they're going to be so strong and so firm that if a hurricane came with a 100-mile-an-hour wind, that thing is going to stay okay. It's not going to fly anywhere. If it comes to a 120-mile-an-hour wind, it's going to stay okay. It's going to be strong. You see, a, bur- a building is, is built up to stand firm. To stand firm against whatever comes against it. If there's rain coming down, they say, hey, this ceiling's not going to leak. We're going to make sure that it's dry in the building. It's going to stand firm no matter what the conditions are outside. God says, you're my building. God says, I'm working in life so that you can be firm and unmovable. And then else about buildings. Buildings are made so that we can see their splendor. I don't know about you, I, I, I like sci-fi, but one of the main things I like about sci-fi is I love the way they, they picture the future. Like you look at the buildings and they just look awesome. You know, you, you watch a Star Wars, you know, and they, the, the, the whole city looks like, wow, that's, that looks pretty awesome. I love the architecture, just the beauty of it. I don't even know if it's possible to even build things like that. Uh, but they try to do something very appealing to your eyes, something that'll catch your eye and go, man, that looks pretty awesome. I don't know how many buildings you've gone through here in the valley, but there are some things that you walk into. You can, you can walk into a, a, like a, an opera theater and you just go, wow. The, the new building that they made on uh, UTRGV, they, they made a new building for their music program. It's their music building. And uh, we went to one of the concerts, one of the first concerts that were there. One of our college students, uh, Miss Sophia, was performing. She invited us, and we got to go. And, bro, it is awesome in there. 
I mean, the seats are awesome. The walls are, it's just, it's, it, you walk in there, and you're just like, I can't believe that they built something like this. It's beautiful. A building is to be admired, and, and it's, it's something that's beautiful. It's a, it, it, there's some splendor to it. God says, you're my building. And as my building, I'm, I'm trying to build something of beauty in you. Something that people will look at and go, wow. God wants to build in you something that has a purpose. Something that's going to stand firm through the storms of life. And something that people can look and marvel at and say, wow, that's beautiful. Paul says, listen, God says we are his farm. We're his, or we're his field and we're his building. But as I said before, just like God says, we're the farm that he's working on us. We need to work on others as farm workers. We also need to work on others as architectures, as architects. Paul says there in verse uh, number 10 that he says, and I as a master builder, Paul saw himself as when he was doing the work of God, I'm like an architect. I, I got to make sure that I'm giving people uh, what God's purpose is for their life that I'm giving people something that's going to help them stand firm in their faith. I, I got to make sure that I'm giving people something that people will look and see the splendor of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. That's what a worker of God does. You start working in people's life. And Paul said, by given to me. Now, what comes by grace and grace alone? What is it that God gives us as a gift by grace? We said it was what? According to Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace are ye, what? Saved. So what Paul received, he said, I received salvation. I received this grace. And now that I have this grace, now I'm to go and build on it. That's why in verse 11, he said, there's a foundation that was placed. He said, I gave and I made a foundation. The foundation is Christ. That comes by grace. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I receive salvation. That's the foundation of the building. That's what's going to be built upon. And that's why Paul says, I did that. He came to the city of Corinth and he led people to the Lord and, and he was faithful to do that. He said, but then I had to go to another city to start another church to continue to spread the gospel. He says, but then you needed to start building what foundation I left. That's where your faith begins to be built up. Paul says in Ephesians that, and in Colossians that the church is the pillar and ground of truth. He uses that over and over, this picture of buildings and structures. And so Paul is saying, okay, to the, Corinth, uh, the church at Corinth here, he says, I've laid a foundation, that's Jesus Christ. We have that in our life. Now we've got to make sure. And he said, now be careful how you build on that foundation. Now let me just say this. Connected with that, Doctrine is important. You say, what is doctrine? Doctrine is teaching. Bible teaching, biblical teaching is important in your life. Make sure that what we're applying in our life and what we're learning from God's word is something that is right and pure and true. Paul said it over and over again. He said, you need to get away from wrong doctrine, from bad doctrine. In the book of Jude, Jude said, I wanted to write to you about salvation, but you know what? I couldn't just write about how great it is to be saved and how glorious it is to have Christ in our life. He said, because there are some people coming into the church and I had to talk about being aware 
of wrong doctrine. So it's important to have the right kind of doctrine in your life. The right kind of biblical truth speaking into your life. That's why Paul told them later in, in the book of Corinthians, he says, hey, listen, what fellowship has light with darkness? That's why you don't need to be dating somebody that doesn't have the right kind of doctrine in their life. You don't need to be making friends with those that are going in the opposite way of the doctrine of this book. Why? Because it's important. You've got to build on this foundation some solid structure. So we see that the description of the worker is that of a farmer. It's that of an architect. But then I want you to notice that he says of a good work. Now what is a good work? That Paul, and we talked about this, he says a good work is a good deed that has the enabling and accompaniment of the Holy Spirit's power and truth. Enabling means the authority. The authority and the ability, the means to do it. And accompaniment means in the company of. In other words, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to do the work of God, to build a structure, because you're architects. God is trying to build something. He's trying to build something with purpose, something that's going to be firm in the storms of life, something that they're going to glory and splendor of Christ in us. It's going to require you to be patient. It's going to be, uh, require you to have love and care for people. It's going to require you to be trusting that God will do what you cannot do on your own. That's why, listen, I don't sit there most of the time when I talk to people, I don't sit there and argue uh, some point about evolution. I just tell them, listen, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. My logical reasoning isn't going to convince anyone. It's the Holy Spirit that does that work. My job isn't to try to uh, defeat them giving them strong, logical arguments, though the truth is always right and it's always logical and it always makes sense. But what I need to give them is what the Word of God says. God never promised to bless your great illustrations. God never said, I promise to bless your great arguments. God said, I promise to bless my Word. And as long as you can give them the word of God, then the spirit of God can do the work that you and I cannot do. Now, what are some of these works? Number one, he says gold. That is the glories of Christ. Anything that you do in your life, any work that uh, exalts Christ and brings glory to Christ is something of gold. Silver, that speaks to the work of Christ. Whenever you share that Jesus died for someone else uh, for, for their sins, uh, that speaks of the redeeming work of Christ. That is a good work. And then he says that of precious stones. That is uh, anytime we, we speak and anytime we do something that brings, uh, brings out the beauty of Christ so that others might see that in us. And let me give you quickly Man's work. That's God's work, gold, silver, and precious stones. But man's work is wood. Wood is what you do in your flesh. Do you know that you could come to church and help out in a class and it'd still be wood and not gold? Because you know you can teach a class in your flesh. I can come here and teach a lesson all in my flesh. I wouldn't know it. Yeah, didn't know it, but God would know it and I would know it. If I were to come up and give a lesson without ever praying about it and studying about it and, and really uh, giving my all to that, then it would just be a work of wood. 
just flesh. Anything you do in your life that is all about you with selfishness and pride is a fleshly work. It's wood. Now let me tell you something. He said, hey, it's something that is temporal. It's something that if it goes through fire, it'll burn really quick. It's something that really means nothing. It's something of a temporal thing. Anything that you do that is temporal is something that is hay. Something that's not going to last. Then I want you to notice that he talks about stubble, and that's worthless work. Work that has no value to it. It's important that Paul shares these things with those at Corinth. Because if you and I are going to do the work of God, we need to know, am I doing this work as gold, silver, and precious stones? In other words, is this something that's bringing glory to Christ? Is this something uh, something that is exalting the person of Christ and the position that Christ should have? Am I sharing or doing something that's going to bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or am I doing things that are really fleshly? Something that's very temporal, something that's worthless. Let me give you a quick example and we'll, we'll end because I know they're out. But social media is a big thing today. And I can't speak too much of it. I, I really don't use it as much and, and it just doesn't attract me. It's not that it's right or wrong. It's just, just I just don't, don't get on it. It doesn't really attract me. But you know, you can make social media something of gold, silver, and precious stones. Or you can make it something that's wood, hay, and stubble. You can put something on your social media that's going to exalt Christ or talk about Christ or share his redemptive work. You can do something that's going to have eternal value to it. Or you can fill your social media with stuff that's just worthless. Talk about stuff that's just temporal. Or let your flesh be known for what you write. What you write about others and what you think about others and what you think about everything around you. I want to encourage you tonight. God is you and me to be a building, but he wants you and me to be his architects. We work, we're co-laborers with Christ, Paul said. He wants us to build something of gold, silver, and precious stones. The question is, what are you going to build this week? And if you're something, just remember, it's, it's like working in the field. It's going to require you to be patient. It's going to require you to love and, and care for people for others, and it's going to require you to trust. Trust God to do a work that, that you can't do. Say, God, I, I can't do this on my own, God. I need your help. Man, if you can just grasp that truth, and doing the work of God is something that's going to be, it's just something that's going to bring joy and peace into your life like nothing else will.